thankful for God's goodness to me, thankful for His love that I have my Savior, I have His love for me. Take your Bible, if you would. Let's turn to the text for this morning's message. Our text is going to be in Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Let's stand together as we read the Word. This will be the last in um, a little bit different series of messages. We've spent some time to talk about some things we don't usually talk about. And uh, giving us giving us an opportunity maybe to, to meet some things head on. This morning we'll be talking about the Christian and the government and what the Bible has to say about it. And uh, we'll be trying our best to bring the Scripture to bear on the things that we face here and now. So Romans chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 1 and go down through verse 7. Romans 13 verse 1, Paul writing to the church at Rome says this, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continu- continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this time we have together. Please open our hearts and our minds as we talk about this. And we might have very strong feelings about uh, what you say here, Lord. We might have even strong resistance in our hearts as we face the current climate we do. Lord, please help us to set all of that aside, to listen to your truth and to be obedient to it, Lord, that we might be a witness for you. So please show us this morning. Uh, Give me the strength to say what is needed and nothing more, nothing less, Lord, and just move among us as only you can as you open our eyes and open our hearts uh, to your will for us. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I don't know if you remember a statement I made a few weeks ago as we approached this this passage of... um, We've been studying from Romans chapter 12 into Romans chapter 13. I said that God's timing is always perfect, right? And that's exactly why I preach the way I do. Some people don't. Some people do. That's fine. I preach in a verse-by-verse manner because I believe the subjects come up when they need to. And in God's perfect timing, we're here right now following the events of the past few days and what has been said by our leader and what we've seen on the news. We come right here to this right now in God's timing. We're going to see what God has to say about the church and the government. and What is our responsibility when it comes to obedience? In fact, the whole rest of chapter 13 is going to speak very clearly to our responsibility in current events. So we'll do that this morning. The passage before us is really simple. 
Most scripture is really simple. It tells us what to do. The problem's our attitude, right? It's whether we want to or not. Whether we like what the Bible says, and if I like what the Bible says, then I'm going to obey. If I don't like it, well, I'm going to find such and such way around it. That's the problem. The simplicity of the Scripture is not the problem. Our attitude is. And the passage before us is really simple. And we have to remember who's writing this and what's going on here. This is Paul the Apostle writing under and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, as he himself says, all Scripture is God-breathed. God is moving on his heart to write these words uh, to the church at Rome and by extension us, uh, giving them instruction on how to live as part of society and the church of God at the same time, how to live out our Christianity. This is God's word as he is speaking to us through it. And this instruction spans all ages, all governments. The instruction here applies to all Christians who read this in the time that they do, in the nation that they do, with the current government in place. Does that make sense? So we're not excluded from this because we're in America. Or somebody else in another country is not excluded from this because they are in another country or in another time. No. This is God speaking to His church, telling Him how they ought to act in relation to the government over them. Whether it's the churches at Rome here, whether it's the churches in Europe in the Dark Ages that would read this, or in Spain in the 1500s, or England in the 1700s, or here today. Today, for the church in Russia, for the church in China, for the church in Afghanistan, and yes, here in America. This instruction spans it all. Yes, us here too. We have to give a word of caution, especially for us Americans. Because we have enjoyed such amazing freedoms and amazing liberty for some 300 years now, and we have worshipped freely, I think we've gotten a little big-headed. And those are, I thank God for the blessings that He has allowed on us in this country. And we've been allowed to have a say in how it's run. That's, that's unheard of. We've been allowed to have a say and bring biblical perspective to things like the economy how the money of the nation is spent. We've been allowed to have a say in and bring biblical perspective to legislation, to partisanship, to social and local issues and the like. And it's been beneficial for the church. We've enjoyed that benefit and we've benefited from it. The problem is the danger exists of becoming too focused and too concerned on those issues rather than the main issue that we're here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And churches can become so focused on political issues, they forget the main issue, that we are to be a lighthouse in the dark and bring the gospel to the lost. We can become so concerned that, as one commentator put it, we wrap the Bible in a flag. And so when the flag falls, so does our faith. Make sense? 
when we get social pushback, when laws don't go our way, when the economy or things don't go our way, it can, if we're not careful, shake our faith. The church's existence is not dependent on national acceptance. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter if the nation likes us. It doesn't matter if the nation approves. That does nothing for the church of God. The gates of hell itself cannot shake it. Jesus himself said that, right? I build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We may not understand that, but those of God's people in China, in Afghanistan, in Russia, in other places in this very day and age, they know that well. God's people have been alive, and may I say they've thrived under tyrants before, under oppression before. If America falls, the church will stand. And if the government becomes antagonistic, we don't stop. Because the very plain reality is our king is not a president. Our king is Jesus himself. Our king is Jesus. Our home is in heaven. And well, we're just pilgrims here. That's the reality. But that truth, however, does not free us from any obligation to our nation. And nor does it mean that some of those issues we can become too distracted are not important either, because they are, and we ought to be a voice in them. This is some of the things we're going to explore. Paul makes it pretty clear and simple, and I know as we go along, there's going to be some questions that pop up in your head, and I'm asking that you just hang with me because I'll get to them at the end. But what I want to do is I want to see what the instruction is that Paul has for us. So let's look at the text, will we? First thing I want you to notice is government is ordained by God. Government is ordained by God. Verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. He first starts out by saying every soul. This is an individual responsibility. He's speaking to each heart of the members of this church and the members of all churches. It's up to you to put this in place. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. In fact... Actually, that brings up a pretty important biblical principle. That's soul liberty, or other, otherwise we describe it as free will. You understand that God has given us the liberty of free will to each human being? He does not force us in compliance with His Word, but instead He speaks to us and moves on us by His Holy Spirit, and He allows us to make those decisions in our own mind and in our own heart. And yes, those decisions can be either to accept or reject, to obey or to disobey, but He allows us to make that choice and He respects that choice. Which is exactly why, well, it's exactly what our founders understood and it's exactly why it's one of the parts of the unalienable rights given to us by God. Liberty. God has given us soul liberty and Paul appeals that to appeals to that here. Let each one, let every soul do what? Be subject. The word is hupotasso in the Greek. It's the same uh, Greek word used in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 when he tells wives to submit to their husbands. It's used in other places the same way. And it's a military term that means to line up under. Let every soul line up under or submit themselves to the higher powers or higher authorities. Jesus uses this 
to describe his own authority in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He says, all authority is given unto me. Plain and simple, we are to line up under, we are to submit ourselves to those in authority over us, those who are in higher places over us. For that authority structure, that authority structure, and I say that for a reason, is ordained or appointed, authorized, established by God. God has set within humanity an authority structure. Because if it's up to us, we don't have any structure, right? We have chaos. We're going to do, each man's going to do what he, what he wants to do. We would not have any kind of law enforcement. We wouldn't have any kind of structure in our society. It's from God. And God has put this in place from the start. It's by His design. And the more you look and the more you think about it, you can see it in all of creation but especially in humanity, in our cultures, in our societies. God has set those things in place from the start. And it brings purpose and structure and order. Without it, it's chaos. And this structure runs the spectrum. You have a structure put by God in the family, don't we? Is not the husband to be the head and to be provider, and the parents are to be heads over the children? That is designed by God. Without it, we wouldn't do that. We see it in family, we see it in society with people like police officers and teachers and city officials. People in higher places of authority over us. We see it in local government up to the king or the president in our nation. There is even structure within the church, is there not? With what I believe to be the highest called official on the face of the earth, the pastor. God has set these structures, these authority structures in place, and we are to be obedient obedient to it. And I want you to understand it's not necessarily the people in those positions, but it's the structure that God has set. Because you can see in the Old Testament there were good kings and bad kings, weren't there? There were those who did God's will and they, those who did not. Even in our own history, we've had presidents who have done better and presidents who have done worse. And we are to respect the position... Because God has set that structure in place. Make sense? So, the instructions there. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers because those powers that be are established, that structure is established by God. The logical conclusion comes next. Verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. If we buck the system, we're going against what God has been put in place. Whether that's the national system, the local system, or the family system. We do good to remember that because too often Christians can have an anti-authority mindset. Who's this guy to tell me what to do? We all have that when we're younger probably. But some people don't grow out of it. What we need to do is understand this structure that God has put in place. This structure that's there, God has put in place. And if we're resisting that system... We're resisting God's authority structure. We're to obey. And if we don't, look at the end of verse 2. He who resisteth the ordinance of God, that they shall receive res- they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Don't be surprised when you go against this structure and you suffer the consequences. This damnation or judgment is not talking about eternal. He's talking about what happens when you break the laws. Do we somehow. I wonder if we somehow expect protection or exemption from that. I'm a Christian. Speed limits don't apply. Try telling that to the next police officer. 
well, sir, I'd like to show you my license, but my king is Jesus. <laughs> it's not going to get you out of the ticket because you broke the law and you have to suffer the consequences. Yeah, they do apply to us. And yes, Jesus ultimately is our king and he tells us to obey the officials over us. It's his plan. So government is ordained by God, and the second step we need to take is law enforcement is ordained by God. Not only is the government structure ordained by God, but enforcement of the laws is ordained. Verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will you not be afraid of the power? Then do what is good, and you shall have praise of the same. And that's usually how it works, isn't it? Listen, I, these are, this is one of those things when Questions are probably running through your mind. Well, what about this and what about that? Just hold on. But people usually don't run from the cops when they paid for something in the store and they're walking out with it, right? They run from the cops when they stole something from the store. And your head is on a constant turnaround when you're, not when your cruise control is set at 65 on the freeway. No, it's when it's 80 and you're looking at every ramp and every underpass. Not that I would know from experience. Somebody told me that. We don't have to worry about getting in trouble when we're doing the right thing. Pretty simple to understand, right? That's what Paul is saying here. They're not a terror to the good works, but to those who break the law. And you don't want to be afraid. Do what is good. Verse 4, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. They bear a sword for a reason. It's more than just words. They are able to enforce the law um, by physical means. And I'm thankful for those that do. I'm thankful for law enforcement officers. In a climate where they are scorned for just doing their job, they still do it, right? And for the most part, by and large, they bring punishment on those who do evil and they use force to do so. And I am thankful for them. This sword he's talking about would be the guns and the, the firearms that our police officers carry today. And they use force to enforce the law. And notice what it says twice in this verse. He is the minister of God to thee for good. He beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God. You see, whether they know it or not, what they do in, in punishing evil and enforcing good is according to God's structures and God is working through them. He's keeping peace and He's keeping safety and structure in society through these brave men and women, these honorable men and women. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11 says this, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. If we didn't have law enforcement, can you imagine how much more evil there would be? And I don't care what your personal prejudice may be. I don't care if you've really ticked off because they've given you a lot of tickets. I don't care what's your view on them. We need them in our society. We need unbiased, unprejudiced law enforcement. And I thank God for those who do so, working to keep evil in check. Verse 5, Wherefore you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. So you need to be subject so you don't get in trouble. That's what the wrath part is talking about. So you don't face the wrath of these individuals, but also for conscience sake. Now what he's, 
What is he talking about there? Keep your finger in Romans because we'll be back. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. So right turn in your Bible. You get towards the book of Revelation, past the book of Hebrew. You start running into 1 and 2 Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's right there in that section. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look in verse 13. First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Maybe you could underline that in your Bible. Because sometimes we say, why? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? Well, it's for the Lord's sake. Because He asks us to. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as to them that are sent by him, the king, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, that's important. As free. Let me circle back to that. And not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. You see, our obedience is a witness. And our obedience to those in authority over us is by extension obedience to God. He says, submit for the Lord's sake because this is the will of God. Yes, I know the reality because in reality we are free, aren't we? I have no king but Jesus. And my, this is not my home. My home is in heaven. My kingdom is coming. But while I'm here, the Lord asks me to obey. Not to use that as some excuse to just go do what I want, no, but to, by me being obedient and, and submissive, to be a witness to those around me. That by my life and my obedient life to the laws of the land, I give no cause for the gospel to be hindered. It's kind of hard to be a witness when you're on America's Most Wanted now, isn't it? But if people know that you're a law-abiding citizen, well, that makes a difference. Or if you're out there just spewing venom about the government and breaking every law that you can, the gospel can be hindered by our disobedience. So the Lord asks us to be obedient. Verse 17 is the right perspective. Honor all men, but you love the brotherhood. You fear God, and you honor the king. Right? There's priorities we obey. And part of that, which we don't like, is taxes. Go back to Romans chapter 13. Taxes. You see, government is ordained by God. Law enforcement is ordained by God. And taxes are ordained by God. Verse, Romans 13 and verse 6. For this cause pay ye tribute also. Tribute is tax. For this cause pay your taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. That they are God's ministers continually. It's going back to law enforcement. And paying the tribute funded the law enforcement. It funds the structure in God's ordained structure. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute, 
is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Yeah. Taxes are ordained by God, and that can probably rub us the wrong way, doesn't it? Ooh, I don't like that. Did you just say pay my taxes? God wants me to pay my taxes. Does he know how much my taxes are? <laughs> uh, yeah, he knows, and we're probably not near what other societies have been taxed in the past. We don't like them. We look for breaks. We try to write off everything, so I don't have to pay what I have to pay. And listen, not all taxes are fair. I'm not saying that they are. But we're not the first one to face taxes either. Taxes are all through Scripture. In fact, one of the worst was Solomon. Solomon taxed his people heavy. How do you think he got so rich? <laughs> How do you think the, the country, the, the nation of Israel got so wealthy? He, he taxed his people. And his sons kind of elevated it too, but Solomon was the first one to put these heavy taxes in place. It's part of the Mosaic law given by God. Taxes and tributes and all that was part of the Mosaic law. The, Jesus, uh, the Jews at Jesus' time were under such heavy taxation, and not only that, but extortion by those who collected it, that they really hated when those guys came knocking on their doors. Why do you think they hated the publicans or the tax collectors so much? And we're apt to feel the same way, aren't we? <laughs> April, whatever comes around, or even look at your receipts or whatever. Paychecks come around and you look at how much is gone and we get angry and we cry that old rally cry, taxation is theft. <laughs> I do the same thing. What? Where did it go? Where is it going? What is it doing? And sometimes taxation is theft. I'm not saying every tax that we pay is right. No. But, it's part of God's structure to fund His structure. Corrupted, yeah. And I'll get to that in a minute. But it's part of it, and it's even part of our own constitution. You know that? That we are to collect taxes to fund the government over us. And we are to pay them. Pay your taxes, God says. We got questions. I got questions. Really, Lord? The clearest answer I can give is in Matthew chapter 22. Turn there. Matthew chapter 22. I'll let Jesus talk to you and I'll kind of step out of the mix. Because his word is probably going to carry more weight than mine. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 15. Matthew twenty-two fifteen says, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. You're already doing that, right? All right, let's catch him in something. And they sent out to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, nor thou regardest not the person of man. We know who you are, and you don't regard any man above God, and you don't respect any government above God. That's what they're saying. Like, you just do your own thing. You're you not scared of man or not bowing down to them. Tell us, therefore, verse 17, What thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute or pay taxes unto Caesar or not? See where they're trying to catch him? Well, what do you say? You who don't respect or, or uh, 
No, 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 I got to back up on that. You who don't set human authority above what it should be, because Jesus didn't, did he? While he was respectful, he wasn't, um, he didn't follow blindly, nor did he exalt any man above God. He taught the truth, he taught us what we ought to uh, follow ourselves. And so they try to catch him something here, and they say, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? What the, the answer they're looking for is no. What they're looking for Jesus to say is no. Who is Caesar anyways? I ain't going to pay nothing to him. Which sometimes can be our mindset too, right? What does he say? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. Give me, give me a coin. And they brought him to him a penny. He said to them, Who's it, Whose is this image and subscription? Whose face is on this? And they said, Caesar's. Then saith he to them, Listen, look at the answer. Render therefore to Caesar the things which are Caesar's. Pay your taxes. Should we give tribute money to Caesar? Give Caesar what is Caesar's. And unto God the things that are God's. That's a mind-blowing answer. Blows their minds. Look, when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. That's a mind-blowing answer. Pay your taxes and give, give to God what's God's. Well, what does God own? Everything. <laughs> Everything. So, you understand that tax you give, Caesar might claim it, but in the end it's God's. And if we're being obedient to the laws of the land in a way that we are obeying God too as we pay that tax money, Jesus says pay your taxes and give to God what is God's. All I can say is this. I've tried to abide by this my whole life to pay not only Taxes as they say they're due, I'll say that, but also to give my tithes to God, and I've done my best to pay both, and I've been just fine. God has taken care of me. Through His authority structure and being obedient to that, God has taken care of. So, listen, beloved, that's it. It's pretty simple. I mean, that's how it's supposed to work. Now make no mistake, it gets all messed up and it can go really bad really quick, can't it? The problem is, governments go corrupt. Law enforcement officers can punish evil instead of good and taxes can turn to theft. That's because you have sinful men ruling over sinful men. So it's going to go corrupt. And I'm not saying there aren't any believers in in the authority structure. There aren't believing police officers or there aren't believing... uh, uh, legislators or senators or wherever you want to look. But for the most part, it is sinful men ruling over other sinful men. So it's going to go corrupt. That corrupts God's perfect structure. And it takes it away from its intended purpose. And we see that all around us, don't we? We see the government being a terror to good rather than to evil. And we see God's intended purpose of giving design and structure and purpose to society. We see that all being turned on its head. I don't have to describe that to you. You already know. 
with all of the current events and all that's going on, you see everything going sideways, even from as recent as just a couple years ago. We have to expect that. But do you know that God is so good and gracious that even through that it still works? His structure still works? It worked. Um, it has worked throughout all societies. Even the Roman church, as they would read this, were under oppressive and sinful rule, yet Rome was still a peaceful place because God's structure worked. The call was to obey, and the call is still to obey. We are to submit. Now, let's make a couple things clear. Let me make crystal clear, as in ringing loud as a bell clear. Obedience to God always supersedes obedience to the government. Obedience to God always supersedes Obedience to the government. What happens when the government crosses a line? What happens when they tell the churches to close? When they tell the churches to stop singing, stop hugging? What happens when the gospel is called hate speech and we are no longer allowed to preach it on the streets? People have been arrested for that. Do we submit to a man who says those things? Do we submit to the man who says, don't sing in church? And Do we submit to a man or an administration that has sold out our country and abandoned our soldiers and has just said it is no longer about our freedom or personal choice any longer? But it's about that his patience is wearing thin. And that our freedom must give way to the health of fellow Americans. We must drop our own personal freedoms to the health of fellow Americans, yet he's suing a state for protecting the most precious and vulnerable of all Americans, the unborn. Do we submit? Do we submit to a man who is threatened to use his power, which is ours, we give him the power. I, we need to wake up to that. Do we submit to a man who, who uses his power to get those out of the way who oppose him? Who's flying out here to give his support to our own inept and corrupt government? Do we submit to that? Do I willingly relinquish my personal choice, my personal soul liberty, my freedom? To that I say, no, Joe, no. No. We don't stop meeting. We don't stop singing. We don't stop hugging. We don't stop preaching. We don't stop standing for liberty. We don't stop standing for our rights. This is not a call to follow whoever might be ahead of us like a sheep but to submit wisely and that our obedience to God will always supersede the government. I came across this statement and I want to share it with you and I have to give credit where credit's due. John MacArthur recently said this in a sermon. I quote, No human authority is absolute. All human authorities are only authorities as long as they function as God designed them. And when they don't function that way anymore, but they turn it on its head and do it in the reverse form, 
they yield up that God-given authority, end quote. To that I say, amen. When the government runs contrary to the Scripture, when the laws run contrary to the Scripture, we end in submission to those and we stand against that to follow God. We always first and foremost must follow God. We stand and say, no, I will not obey that. I will obey what the Word says. And Scripture is full of examples of that, right? Three Hebrew children, they're not really children, they're young men, but the three Hebrews are told to worship the idol. Hey, you do what the king says when he does it, and I say worship. Kind of sound familiar? My patience is wearing thin. You guys need to do this. (laughs) Maybe I'm pushing that a little far, but kind of sounds like it. They're told to bow down when the king says to bow down at the time when he says to do it. And what do they say? Oh, he's the king, the king of the world. No, they said, no, we will not bow. We will not bow. Make that, let that be known, O king. I like that phrase. Let it be known, O king, we will not bow. Maybe we need to make some things known. Daniel purposed in his heart right from the beginning of finding himself in a, in a bad situation that he would not defile himself with what the world would give him. That's important. He would not defile himself with the king's meat. He purposed in his heart, I'm going to stick to what God says. We, we had a sermon on that several months ago, that we ought to stand up and not defile ourselves with what the world would shove down our throats, whether it's mentally or, or through the media, media or whatever it is. And he is told later on in his life not to pray. Yet what does he do? He goes and does what he's always done, opens the doors and windows of his house, and he prays three times a day. He does not stop. Yet he is in in disobedience to the king of the world at that time. But it didn't stop him, does it? We read from a letter from Peter. Peter says, submit yourself to every ordinance for the Lord's sake. But don't forget, don't forget what he said to the Sanhedrin, who was the ruling body of the Jews, when they told him to stop preaching Jesus. What did he say? We ought to obey God rather than men. And Paul? (laughs) Paul, out of any writer of the New Testament, was more in trouble with the government than anyone else. He was always getting arrested, standing before the rulers of the world. For what? Preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel and standing for the truth. Listen, I'm saying, beloved, we ought to do the same. There is a line we must draw and say enough's enough. I will be obedient, but not when it begins to cross biblical principles. The government is turning more and more hostile to the truth. It's becoming more oppressive here in our country. It's filled with more and more lies. They push, they support, they say it's normal for the murder of millions of infants and abortion. They push the lies of the LGBTQ agenda, the transgender deception. And it keeps coming. Their most recent move has been this. Trust us, we'll keep you safe. We have your best interest at heart. At the same time, spreading fear and confusion. Do you remember in the first wave, all the news channels you would turn on had that counter in the background of deaths? Tick, 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 
don't think that was an accident. I'm just saying. They're spreading fear, confusion, and lies. And there's one thing that wins over all of that, right? Truth. Absolute truth. Which is why the hostility towards those who will preach absolute truth will continue to grow. We've got to shut those churches up because they keep talking about this peace. They keep talking about faith. They keep meeting. They keep coming together and loving each other. And it's turning people's hearts. We've got to stop that. That has been the cries of past governments. And it will be the cry of ours sooner or later. Because truth always wins out over all those other things. The hostility will continue to grow if, and I I make this statement with a purpose, if we allow it to. Does that make sense? If we allow it, because you see, we as Americans right here and right now are in a pretty unique position in that we still have a voice. We still have a voice. And while I don't want to be accused of wrapping my Bible in a flag... I believe we have some amazing blessings here from the very hand of God. And if we don't stand up and start pushing back, we're going to lose them. We will lose those liberties. Things that are allowing to be passed into law without the say of the people. Listen, man, you can feel how you want about different things. I'm trying to look at a longer picture that if this mandate goes through that he just talked about, It opens the door for some control of commerce, control of workforces, control of travel, control of the whole population that's going to be bad. With that that mandate to pass, we flip the script from being a free country to not a free country. In many ways. To when my government says I can't buy, I can't earn money, we lose our freedom. The lawsuit or the removal of government or the overturning of a state's decision to, to uh, um, protect babies in the womb or to remove government, that goes to changes from a democracy to a dictatorship if he's allowed to remove those. And these emergency powers people keep talking about, if they're not, que- if they're not questioned, then once again it's going to be illegal to go to church. You you realize that here in America, it was at one point illegal to go to church. It was illegal for us to open the doors. That ruffled some feathers and some people stood up and started squawking about it and it was overturned, right? We need to do that again. We need to start being a little bit more vocal. We submit to the government to a point. We take a stand, yet as obedient to the laws. And when those laws cross God, we choose God, don't we? Christianity has long been a voice of reason in this world. No matter what the government, we have long been a voice of reason, calling the world to repent of their sins and to come to Christ, but also to follow God's structure as given, to to give advice to 
to the society as far as family and societal issues go. We've been that voice of reason since God founded His church. And maybe it's time for our nation to hear our voice again. I'm concerned for our nation. I'm concerned for the future of the churches. That the new feeling that has come along is that We don't say anything. We follow quietly and blindly. I see that in so many churches and so many pastors. That concerns me. I pray we would not mistake what Paul says here because Paul didn't follow blindly. Peter didn't follow blindly. They submit and they were respectful up to the point where it crossed the Bible. Then they stood I pray that we would stand for the principles of the truth and that God would work through us to preserve these blessings. But it's not going to happen if we stay silent. So we obey until it crosses the word and then we stand. And you understand we may face persecution because all those examples I listed off earlier, they did. But God delivered them through it, didn't He? God provided and I believe He still is in that business. That if we stand for the truth, God will provide and God will deliver. Let me finish with this. It's really easy to say right here and right now. To stand up and say, "Ah, we got to stand for the government, blah, blah, blah. When you walk out those doors and we face real life. Tomorrow might be different. So let's pray, you and me, for a biblical backbone that as we face our employers, or we face legislation, or we face the governor, or we face the president, we would pray for courage and wisdom to respectfully stand for the truth. Obedient, respectful of God's structure, but obeying God above government at all times. I believe we need courage and we need wisdom to stand up and be a voice in this society. Because we're at a turning point where we stand to lose some very amazing blessings and liberties from God. But that won't happen if we're silent. So I pray that we're not silent. We would find ourselves obeying yet standing. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray you would take the words that have been spoken this morning and that use them as you see fit. I thank you for this wonderful country that you've given us. I thank you for the blessings and the peace that you've shed upon us, Lord. And I thank you for your structures in society that evil would be punished and, and uh, decisions would be made for the good of the people and that you have worked in that. Lord, as we see that turning right before our very eyes, that you would help us to be the voice of reason, be the voice of truth in this society. You would give us the courage to do so. Now, whether that be on a personal level with those that we know or a communal level with the church or on a national level, Lord, use us as you see fit, but help us to stand and speak the truth as we seek to obey the laws of the land, but yet at the same time be obedient to you first and foremost. So I pray for strength in my own heart, that you would give me courage, you would give me wisdom, you would do so for all members here. I ask that you do the work that only you can do through this, I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.